0: And just just entering in here, Charles Moskowitz. I'm doing the program generally Monday through Friday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live here at uh, the flagship station, which is YouTube. But all of the other subscribing stations, and there are about 10 of them. Plus, I'm live on TikTok, and I am taking calls. I can actually take, and I do mean take, a live phone call. From you, the listener, please observe community standards if you do decide to call, and I hope you do, and you can discuss any and all issues. What is in your mind this afternoon? 617-396-4958 is the number. 617-396-4958. That number again, 617-396-4958. 958. So I want to start by discussing a topic that I'm going to have to use euphemistic language because this is verboten, frankly, on YouTube. And that is the last election, the election of 2020. That's right. We can't really talk about that because for various reasons, this is not allowed. So I want to be very careful in how I approach this. What I wanna say is that there is now an interview that was conducted by Dinesh D'Souza. And I'm almost reluctant to mention her name, but let's just say that she was one of the prominent lawyers in the last election contesting matters to do with that election and that she coined the word Kraken, okay? Now I think that probably most people watching this program or listening to this program right now know who I'm talking about. In fact, I have a request in to have an interview with her myself, but because this program is running live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, I have to be very careful about mentioning her name because her name may enter into an algorithm. And in this day and age with technology being what it is, censorship has reached a new level where people can literally be purged from existence if they don't march to the proper drummer as it were. And so in the interest of preserving my station, I won't mention her name, but people know who I'm talking about. She coined the phrase Kraken. We know who that is, okay? And there is an interview, as I said, with her and Dinesh D'Souza, who has a station on YouTube, and it's okay to mention his name, but I will note that he didn't put, he didn't download this interview onto YouTube. But he did download it into Rumble. And so you can see it on Rumble if you go to Rumble. I might also note that this program is, besides being live on YouTube and on all of the subscribing platforms, I also record it and then downloaded to Rumble and to Gab. Not to Gab. Actually, I'm on Gab, but I haven't really figured out Gab yet because... Gab wants uh, Bitcoin and I don't know anything about Bitcoin, so I kind of avoid that. But it's also, besides being on Rumble, it's also on Minds, M-I-N-D-S, which is, by the way, an excellent site. And it's on um, Brand New Tube, which has allowed me to download several programs, but for some reason, They didn't allow me to download the last one, so I don't know where I stand on that. But I do have several programs downloaded onto brand new tube. And then what I do is I go to Podomatic, where I have a subscription, and I download the audio to Podomatic. And from there, the podcast goes to a whole group of people, and it goes to, and big ones too, I iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google+, Um, and uh, it's where, where it's heard. And I'm doing one a day pretty much, at least one a day, sometimes two, up to three, where I am trying to build a program that is responsive, is interactive, is almost like an old fashioned radio show in that I can take phone calls and comments. In fact, I'm getting comments now on TikTok where the show is also live. And um, in that vein, I'd like to once again, give out the phone number. So you're welcome to join the program. 617-396-4958. I'm doing an open line segment today. I don't have any guests scheduled. 617-396-4958. I got a lot of requests from my regular followers to bring back Dr. Jerome Corsi to the program. And I I reached out to Dr. Corsi and and mentioned that to him and asked him if he'd come on with me. And plus I'm concerned about him. I I have heard rumors that he's not in the best of health and he's elderly. And he, he sent me back a note just simply saying that he had promised his wife that he would retire from politics after the 2020 election. And so he's sort of laying low. He dropped out. He's not, uh, he's not really doing interviews right now. He said that may change to a limited degree. He's actually working on some business things. Um, and so if it does change, then he'll come back on with me. So I'm, I'm hoping he's well. And, um, You know, he did an incredible job during the last election. He was very, very much involved with speaking truths to power, so to speak. I also will have David Horowitz joining me on Friday. And then on Thursday, I'm going to, or Wednesday, actually, I'm going to be having a panel of experts join me who are whistleblowers and who have gotten in trouble for that. Um, including Nick Begich, who's a pretty well-known um, guy who's been accused of quote conspiracy analysis and all that, and um, they seem to have they, they seem to be calling and I think quite naively for President Biden to help whistleblowers. I mean, really, I don't think so. I mean, I think that um, you know Biden is part of the problem. I mean, this is. Um, you know, we're going to be doing this on YouTube where, where they have censorship. I don't think anybody's wanting whistleblowers of any type unless they somehow conform to, you know, throwing dirt at Trump and at, at those of us who consider his followers, including myself, the MAGA movement, the deplorables. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's who they might. You know, for the other other than that, you can forget about it if you're a whistleblower. All right. So. Getting back to this person that I'm not going to mention her name, but she's associated with the term Kraken. She's done a series of interviews, a five-part series with Dinesh D'Souza that is available on Rumble that is really, really stunning. First of all, she refutes this false narrative put out by the media that she somehow is denigrating people who believed her when she talked about election irregularities and electronic irregularities. She doubled on it and further elaborated on what she contends are such irregularities. And her exposition is not simply the conventional types of irregularities, but it expands into questions of electronic irregularities and foreign interference. Now, again, I wanna be very careful here when I talk about this, since I am on YouTube live and I don't want to lose my station, um, but I do think that people listening to this program know what I'm talking about. And I continue to insist that what I am talking about will eventually come to light. Um, And we have to keep the pressure on. We have to continue to push forward In really, I'm not gonna repeat this, but it's an interesting piece of breaking news coming out uh, from somebody on TikTok. Um, Well, I will repeat it, it's okay. He heard Biden is going to the hospital. I don't know about that, I wish him well. I don't wish ill health on anyone. Um, I will continue talking about the questions of the last election. Maybe not on YouTube, but certainly in other venues. Now on media, on media, my Medium blog, I have a, a site up which, and, and you might want to weigh in on this, which has to do with this recent dust up in the state of Georgia that the uh, National Baseball League is withdrawing the All-Star Game from Atlanta because they're critical of the Georgia legislature putting in... Standards for identification of voters. Never mind the fact that they have identification when, when anyone attends a game or, or at their meetings. Same thing with Coca Cola. They are under pressure from the far left and the internationalists. And the agenda is to stop and to continue to stop state legislatures around the country. And this is a movement in state legislatures to reassert their sovereign rights to regulate elections. It says this in black and white in the US constitution, article three, that it is the state legislature that holds the plenary right to regulate elections. And that includes the presidential election because the presidential election, we should also remember is a state election there are 50 elections that happen simultaneously on the first Tuesday in November every four years, um, and that includes for the presidency and for Senate and for the House of Representatives, which goes every two years. But it's also at that time. And the Constitution's clear: the state legislature has the power to regulate. In, the, in those elections. And this position was recently upheld in Michigan by a state judge who ruled in favor of a state legislature claiming that the Secretary of State of, of Michigan, that being Jocelyn Benson, had unlawfully altered voter regulation without the consent of the state legislature in October of 2020, when she decided to throw out the standards that had been put in place by the legislature regarding signature verification of absentee ballots. She said that they no longer had to match the signatures. In other words, they could just simply go ahead and put the ballot through if there was even a hint that the signature slightly resembled the signature on file. In other words, they can make it up. And by the way, it's never quite clear to me who actually counts those absentee ballots anyways. Um, What is going on with that? It's, you know, the fact of the matter is that, you know, like in the state of Washington, I mean, Who counts the absentee ballots? That state has all mail-in ballots. How is that done? And by the way, they're now pushing, and I don't think it's the state legislature doing it either. I think it's the governor and I think it's um, agenda driven groups that they can no longer even do a recount of of a vote. They have to only do like a kind of a sampling and that they decide what the sample is and how it's counted and who counts it. Very corrupt. Well, anyway, the judge in Michigan decided that um, Benson, the Secretary of State, had acted unlawfully when she altered those rules and did so as a way to help push through all these so-called absentee ballots. And uh, what's going on in Georgia and what's going on in many other states is that state legislatures are reasserting those sovereign rights. That is a good thing for democracy, you know, liberals like to talk about democracy. Um, let's talk about Jews who support Trump, who dog whistles anti-Semites. Oh, that's so wrong! I'm a Jew who supports Trump. Trump, you know, is the most pro-Israel, pro-Jewish president ever. I would almost say he's the he was the first Jewish president. That's just so absolutely wrong. You know, you're depending, by the way, this TikToker, you are depending on really wrong stereotypes of conservatives as having something against Jews. It's just wrong. And it's it, it's disgusting. Anyway, back to the state legislatures, if I may. And by the way, before I go there, let me give out the number. You're welcome to join the conversation. 617-396-4958, 617 617-396- 396 Four nine five eight. So the state legislatures are reasserting those sovereign rights after they had been usurped by governors, by by secretaries of state, and after they had been ignored by state courts and by the Supreme Court, all of whom I think are corrupt in this regard. And they are beginning to re-regulate as they should to ensure that the vote is protected, that we have a system of one man, one vote, that we are not having voter suppression in the real sense. And voter suppression in in the real sense means that the the, the proper vote, the registered vote, the legitimate vote, every time there is a fake vote cast, whether it be electronically or otherwise, or from a dead person or from you know, a FODI ballot, then that legitimate vote is suppressed because it's been diluted by that fake vote. So there's voter suppression and it's the jobs of the le- job of the legislatures to ensure to the highest degree possible that this doesn't happen. It's impossible to totally end it, but at least put in some standards. So that's what Georgia has done. And what has been the response? The response has been a vicious leftist propaganda campaign to claim that such regulation has something against black and brown people, people of color. And this claim is racist, but it's also wrong because these votes, these rules are protecting the black vote just like they're protecting the vote of every citizen in their state. They're protecting the voting vote of color because their votes, just like everyone else's votes, are compromised and are suppressed every time a fake vote is cast. Now, Black people in particular in this country have struggled and have died for the right to vote, going all the way back to the Civil War, when they, before that, there was a slavery. They were brought here in chains by the Democrats, by mostly. <laughs> um, and that, you know, in, in the, even up to the 1960s, they were harassed by things like poll taxes and other practices that try to keep them from voting. Those things were overcome with great difficulty and a great sacrifice. Uh, the 1964 Voter Rights Act got rid of a lot of that. So at this point, black men and women of legal age who are American citizens have the same right to vote as everyone else. And they can register to vote just like everyone else and they can cast their vote just like everyone else. And so when there's voter fraud, they are hurt just like everyone else. So there's nothing racist about this. I mean, there's nothing racially prejudiced about it. Where it is racist is this assumption on the part of the left, which is predominantly white and well-to-do, that somehow black people, people of color, are not capable of registering to vote just like everyone else. That's racism. That is the kind of, British imperial white man's burden type of racism that was described by Rudyard Kipling in his novels. You know, the Gunga Din, you know, you're a better man than I, Gunga Din, right? He actually coined the phrase white man's burden. That somehow these left wing, you know, saviors and administrators need to protect black people because black people are not capable. They view black people as inferior. As, as like children who can't go out and register the vote just like everyone else. Well, you know something? They don't know too many black people, these racist agitators, because if they did, they would know that black people are just as capable of registering to vote as everyone else. And that to register to vote is as easy as buying groceries or buying lottery tickets or buying booze or by going to an airport or going to you know, any place where you need to show ID. And we have to do that all the time. If you go to a, you know, a meeting or, or there's just different venues where you need to show ID. Well, guess what? Black people can do that just like white people. They have ID just like white people. This whole thing is a lie. This whole thing is a charade. They don't care about black people. They care about keeping a mechanism in place by which they can continue to commit voter fraud. That's what they care about. And in fact, in the state of Georgia, there are 27 law cases presently in existence against Stacey Abrams and her organizations that that indicate that she was registering people fraudulently and casting illegal votes. Now we don't know the outcome of that, but that does seem to be a lot of smoke. What we do know also is that her sister, who is a federal judge, struck down the right of two counties in Georgia to basically uh, go through their voter rolls to find out if votes, voters who are listed as voters had either passed away or they had moved out of state, which is something that reduces voter fraud because if someone is no longer a registered voter in a a particular district, then their name should not be on the list because it opens the door to somebody fraudulently casting the vote. And if you think that doesn't happen, you're pretty naive. Chris Matthews, formerly of Hardball, got in trouble with the Me Too movement. But before that, he wrote a book about this, where he, he, he talks about this. I think it's his own biography where he noted that growing up in Philadelphia in a corrupt borough, as it were, corrupt voting district, and he was involved in politics as a young man, he recalls corrupt election officials after the polls closed would go in and go through the lists, see which names had not cast a ballot and then cast ballots for that person. That person could be dead. That person could be just someone who for whatever reason didn't show up to vote, could be any reason. The point I'm making here is that leaving names on the ballot or in the, in the registration in a given precinct or district of people who have either passed away or who have moved is not only a re- is a recipe for voter fraud and is something that ought to be remedied normally by a local district, essentially auditing those lists to make sure that everyone on the list is in fact who they say they are, a registered voter living in the district that they live. Now, these new laws in Georgia, which were passed by the state legislature and signed by the governor, which is the proper process, they try to remedy that problem And the reason they're trying to remedy that problem is because there were improprieties in the last election in that state. Now, I don't want to go too far into this because again, I don't want to get kicked off YouTube. But what I would suggest is that it is perfectly reasonable. And in fact, it is appropriate. And we should demand that our state legislators take up this cause across the country, every state, including my own state of Massachusetts, and put in place regulations that ensure the integrity of one man, one vote, something that Americans have fought and died for going back to the revolution. We cannot allow a weakening of those standards and that protects the votes of minorities as much as anyone else. So, if someone is going, if they're going to play this agitprop that this is somehow up against black people, we need to turn that on its head and say that it is them who are the racists. First of all, because they view black people like children who can't register to vote, because and that's obviously a lie. And secondly, because they are not protecting the votes of minorities who have registered and who are voting and who should come out and vote and vote in droves. And by the way, in my opinion, and I'm gonna say this very delicately because I don't wanna get kicked off YouTube. I think that if there there had been an honest reckoning of this last election, which I do not believe there was, then I think there's evidence to suggest that a huge number of of African-Americans, and people of color have voted for Trump, okay? I don't want to so go further than that because, again, I don't want to get kicked off YouTube. Okay, so let me give out the phone number. You're welcome to join me. I'm not going to stay on that much longer, but let me just, uh, you know, if you wanted to call in, you're welcome to. 617-396-4958 is the number. 617-396-4958. Um, I'm not sure I want to put put anything else up on the table today, other than I guess to say that, um, and I generally don't discuss this, but I'm going to talk about it briefly. And by the way, before I go there, I do think that ultimately, we are going to get to the bottom of the last election, it may not happen this year but it will eventually happen because the truth comes out. I think it'll probably happen once Donald Trump is no longer a threat to the left, then they'll finally do it. (laughs) They're waiting. And, And the issue I want to just briefly raise. And again, this is another one of those things that I could be taken off YouTube over. So I want to be very careful. And that is the business of the, um, the lockdowns and the, um, the masks and the social distancing. Now, I'm not coming out either for or against, okay? And nor am I coming out either for or against the remedies. Let's just put it that way. In fact, I've already had one of those remedies. Um, but what I will say is that There does appear to be, even the establishment is admitting, that there appears to be increasing evidence that the virus was created in a Chinese laboratory. And even if it wasn't, that the communist Chinese regime used propaganda to get the Western democracies to lock down because it benefited them. And the only piece of evidence I'll use to make this case is that in the early stages of the virus back in 2019, I think it was in December, there were pieces of information that included photos of people who appear to have dropped dead on the street in Wuhan, China. The uh, photos were accompanied by language which claimed that they had died because of the virus. And one of them in particular shows a well-dressed man in a suit with a mask lying on the street, appearing to be dead, like he just dropped dead. And then there are several <clears throat> people who look like medics or, or medical professionals with masks on, moving in to, um, to see what was going on with them and to maybe help remove the body. Well, the, um, the communist Chinese released several of these types of pictures, and it did briefly create an international sensation. Oh my God, look at this virus and people are dropping dead on the street. And that China responded by doing a very strong, kind of a communistic style lockdown, according to these articles where everyone just completely lost their freedom, like overnight. And that, uh, you know, if you stepped outside, you could be taken away. And that I think that this whole campaign maybe lasted a week or two, but, and then it sort of disappeared. They bombarded Twitter with this. They bombarded social media with this. I'm not saying that the Communist Chinese did this alone, but it was done. And it created terror and fear. Oh my God, this is a disease that's coming and people are gonna be dropping dead like flies. Now, of course, regardless of how it happened in terms of the virus and whether or not it was man-made or natural, I think we can safely say that that is not something that's happened. People don't just drop dead on the street if they get the COVID virus. You might get sick you might have various symptoms. If you're in a position of high risk, like you're over 85, or if you have a pre-existing condition, like you're obese, then yeah, you might end up in the hospital, and yes, you could die. There is this is real. I mean, I'm not claiming otherwise. But even then, it's not like you're simply up and you know walking around in one minute and being everything normal, and then all of a sudden you you go, you plotts. That's not happened, okay? So this raises the question of whether or not the virus itself, however it happened, whether it was natural causes or man-made, was used by the communists who run China to cripple the economies and the cultures and the systems of the rest of the world because that's what communists do. They seek to conquer the world That's what communism is. And I would think it's perfectly reasonable to assume that this is exactly what may have happened. And this is exactly what happened. The Western democracies, you notice that it didn't affect as much the third world. The Western democracies, that being the United States and Western Europe have been devastated by this we're going to get over it. We're going to come out of it. But there does, there's no denying the fact that this has had a terrible toll on economies overall and on people's lives in particular. So you have to ask yourself if this is a part of this sort of planned campaign. The other thing that makes me suspicious, and again, this is a subject that I don't want to get into, is that the American medical establishment, let's just say that, okay? They have been totally focused on the development of vaccines, which is fine. I'm not against them. I took one myself, all right? I'm okay. I'm not recommending it. I'm not unrecommending it. I'm not condoning. I'm not condemning. I'm just saying, for me, in my particular circumstances, it was appropriate to do it, and I did, and I'm fine. But I wonder why it is that other modalities have not been promoted or invested in or utilized. And I'm not gonna mention the name of those other modalities because if you mention them by name, particularly the H drug, and I think people watching this know what I'm talking about. You can be taken, I'll be taken off YouTube and I don't wanna be taken off YouTube at least not yet. But the thing is that these are things that are used around the world, over-the-counter in many cases. And also, even simple things like, President Trump was viciously attacked and mocked. Oh, 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 how ignorant, how shocking. Because he mentioned that going out and getting direct sunlight is helpful. Hello, thank you for joining me.
1: Hey, Charles, it's Paul. How are you?
0: Hi, Paul. How you doing? How you been? Good. You? Good. Thanks. All right.
1: Charles, I just want to, I would like to recommend to you and your audience to watch a 15-minute video on YouTube on a TED Talk on transhumanism by Jason Sosa. And I think a lot of this COVID stuff will lead to what he says, what will be the goal in 2030 of basically rounding up everybody and creating a system, a transhumanistic system of 50 billion devices, almost like a digital nervous system of what the fourth industrial revolution is going to. And I think a way of speeding that up and sort of ending economic nationalism and going forward with this transhumanistic agenda is by sort of using the COVID as a way of collecting the data Building the tracing, building all, and all the different, probably thousands of different businesses that will come out of the fact that we're all on this digital nervous system. So I recommend you watching that TED talk unless you've already seen it. I know Jay Dyer, your friend, has also talked about this. And mm-hmm. I think it's a good uh, hint to lead people into the direction on maybe some of the uh, motives behind uh, this sort of new institution and operational system they're creating.
0: All right, Paul. So, what is the name of it again?
1: It's Jason Sosa on YouTube. It's called Transhuman. It's called the Future of Transhumanism, uh, and it's a TED Talk. So, it's you know a pretty legitimate uh, source there. And I recommend your audience watching it listen to everything he says, because I think this is really part of the Fourth Industrial Revolution that they sort of needed a way, as I said, to round everybody up mm-hmm. and sort of to have people do that on a voluntarily basis would just not be, I mean, as you know, uh, Charles, capitalists, they have to keep growing. And I'm sure similar, if you think about it, Chuck, a lot of the businesses that went from the 19th to 20th century, from horse and buggy to automobile to engine, I bet there was sort of similar things in that situation, but they didn't have an internet, of course, to do it. But um, I just think it's, in my opinion, all the research I've done, Mm -hmm. that's what this is. That's probably one of the larger goals of what this is. It's the future.
0: Well, you know, so what, I mean, I don't really know the exact motivations. I'm not sure it's just to make money, but I guess my question is that your claim is that the um, the idea is to get like a fingerprint of every single person alive through registration as someone who got the vaccine. So you have vaccine IDs, is that it?
1: Well, I think that's the, I think that's how they're starting with it. And that's how they're bringing this 50 billion uh, device uh, nervous, digital nervous system together. I think it's the first step in doing it, sort of forcing it in a way. But I think it's mainly that once everybody's connected uh, and, you, and you listen to this speech, and this gentleman, obviously, I've only, I'm only getting into transhumanism in the last year and understanding what it is. It's the future. I mean, everything yeah. from a face recognition to you know watching a movie and being able to experience it mentally and all you know putting uh, chips on us and all this stuff. It's, it's the beginning of an industrial revolution. And how do they put it together? by using COVID and and i just as i said chuck i probably don't explain it as well watch that 15-minute video and i think with you it'll be refreshing that'll be a big clue in this search that you and David and me and other people are looking for on you know how does the world work we're a business-run society and and what's the future i think it's a big clue mm-hmm. and i think you'll enjoy it and no, I think thank I'll you i mean the
0: um, the transhumanism is a big issue i've talked about it's complicated a lot of the people and the thinkers and the um, activists in that movement are right here in my own uh, neighborhood near at MIT, which is near where I live. And, um, you know, it's it, it's not new. It goes back. Jeffrey Epstein had was all over this. It's the idea of evolving a new kind of a human species. It has everything to do with a, um, you know, ending such what they view as anachronisms, as, as sovereignty and individuality and that it's very troubling. I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, I'm going to check it out. Um, And anyway, Paul, thanks a lot. Thank you, Joe. All right. So let's see. I think we have time for another call. Um, You're welcome to join the program here. And we are, what is the number? (laughs) I just lost it. Um, We are at, here we go. Okay, back in the system. It's amazing that I can do this. Um, we are at 617-396-4958. 617-396-4958. We're doing a live program here. You're welcome to call in. Um, you, I have a TikTok. You're, they're trying to reduce the world's population. You know, I think that's actually a legitimate um, a legitimate question. I mean, anyone who knows about the uh, Georgia guide stones which were constructed by this mysterious man who showed up and paid cash, like a million dollars, who called himself, quote, Christian, unquote. It has like things like in in languages around the world, including Sanskrit and Latin and Hebrew. And it, it does talk about population agenda and reducing the world's population by certain dates And we know that Bill Gates has been all over this issue for decades, reducing populations. It's, I don't wanna get too far here because again, we're on YouTube, I don't wanna lose my station. Um, You know, anyway, um, interesting, interesting subjects. The, you know, just to wrap up what I was talking about, whether or not the virus was created or natural I think it's safe to say that it is being exploited by people who don't necessarily believe in freedom and democracy and individual rights, that it has enhanced the dictatorial powers of governments, that it, the, it, one of the telltale signs is the failure to promote normal and natural things that would improve your ability to not catch the virus or to reduce the, the, um, the lethality of it if you do. And I'm just gonna end by saying that last year, President Trump was viciously attacked and vilified for mentioning that sunlight is a good remedy to reduce virus because sunlight kills viruses naturally. The rays of the sun tend to kill the virus and that now it's being admitted that this is exactly true and that people, it's being suggested that people take vitamin D as a supplement. But I would, I would suggest further that the best thing to do, and I do this every day, is go outside and take in at least a half an hour of direct sunshine. Let the sun hit you, you know, you know unbutton your shirt a little bit and let it hit as much of the surface of your body as possible. I do it every day and it, it kills viruses. Um, one of the reasons why possibly people of color, African-Americans are a little bit more susceptible to the coronavirus is because the color of their skin is darker and the darker your skin color, the more difficult it is to get direct rays from the sun. There were are, are reasons for that. There's uh, an ad- adaptational reasons, uh, you know, uh, as you get closer to the equator, you, you you know, we develop darker skin over over millennia because there is too much sunlight. So we need to protect ourselves and thus we develop a darker hue to our, our skin. Whereas if you're up in Scandinavia or Alaska or or Northern Canada, you have a very, very light skin because they don't have enough sunlight. And so when there is sunlight, you want to absorb as much as possible. So therefore, if you have a darker skin tone, it simply means that you might consider staying outside a little bit longer. So instead of a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, just to make sure that you really soak up enough sunshine and thus kill the virus. And this also could go toward explaining why more African-Americans have gotten the virus and have gotten sick than people with lighter skin tones. It's a very simple thing, it's a biological thing. And so my recommendation to my African-American friends and, and uh, associates is get outside and get a little bit of extra sunlight. Why it is that our medical establishment not only didn't discuss this, I don't recall Anthony Fauci discussing this, and why in fact when this was discussed by the president of the United States, he was attacked and denigrated. That is a question that begs an answer. That really does. And I think that the answer is at best and on the surface, very political, but more fundamentally may go to some of the things that Paul just talked about regarding transhumanism. Anyway, I'm going to wrap things up at that note. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'd appreciate it. You know, I am being demon- I was demonetized on YouTube and I'm being shadow banned. So anyone, any direct subscription to YouTube is very helpful. And please subscribe to my TikTok channel. My books are available. Am I not getting in a little plug here? My books are still available. They haven't taken them down yet. On Amazon Books, my most recent book, and I write these short books this year, is How to Win an Election. Uh, I talk about people running for local office. If you're a housewife, you're a house husband, you're a teenager, you're retired, you know, you you have some time on your hands and you're thinking of running for local office, please check out this book. It's less than three bucks. And also I'm offering consultations at a very low price where I'll get together with you one-on-one for a 90 minute session through Zoom and talk about strategies for how you can win and go over your messaging and your media and, and just putting together a structure for you to run for your office. So check those things out. That's all available at Amazon Books. My name is Charles Moskowitz. God bless you all. God bless America. And um, onward and upward, thank you.